Before I begin this morning, I did want to just uh, thank the many of you who have given us um, already. We've started to receive like diapers and uh, baby bonnet head things and <laughs> onesies and all kinds of things. Although I'm a little bit disturbed, especially the one card that we received from, uh, I can pick on them because they're not here, Brandon and Randall. And it's, it's a little cartoon on the front of it. It says, newborn, or, you know, first time expectant parents. And then they're in the doctor's office going, now, doctor, what time should we wake the baby in the morning? You know, and uh, he's just kind of looking at them. And I feel like there's a lot of uh, fear right now. Um, so for me, you know, the urgency of, is like sleep to get that now. Um, while there's still time, there's not much left. We're like at, what, four months, five months and counting, something like that. So... Life is about to change. Um, that doesn't really have anything to do with the sermon that much, so I just wanted to say that uh, to thank you guys um, for all those things already. The passage that we're going to read this morning is probably pretty familiar to many of us. Um, as I was looking it over, I'm thinking, you know, I've read this so many times, and, and maybe I've even heard this preached, um, but it's, it's one of these passages that when we look at it, it's not only familiar, but it's also a little bit unsettling. Um, it's, it's a little bothersome when I read it and I think about how it applies to my life. Um, and not just the passage in Matthew, but, but the several other scriptures that we'll be looking at this morning are these, are these words um, from the Bible that I think really speak um, especially into my life. Um, and, and when I preach or teach or anything like that, it's always easier for me to teach on something that I need to really teach myself first. Um, and so that nothing I say is really an indictment to anybody else, but it's really more of an indictment on myself that these are things that I need to learn. Um, these are things I'm still working out in my life. And um, I hope that as we just look at this this morning that we can all kind of look at this together and, um, and see that there's this really urgent nature of the gospel, that, that, that this is a really important message that we have, um, and that there's a real um, immediacy, urgency uh, to the message of the gospel. Um, I've been in different situations that require different levels of urgency. And sometimes the, the tone of the message doesn't quite match the urgency of the situation. Now, you probably can think of a few of these yourself. I'll say one that I was thinking about when I thought of this, is that when I was growing up, and my mom was still driving me around all over the place, um, in Pittsburgh, every road is on a hill, like on the side of a hill, going up a hill, going down a hill. That's just like every single street is a road, or sorry, every street is a hill um, in Pittsburgh. Uh, so one time she was driving me someplace, and we were going up this hill, and she meant to turn off to the left, but she missed her stop. She missed her turn. So instead of going and, like, making a U-turn or pulling in someone's driveway and backing back out, instead my, instead my mom stops the car right in the middle of the road, okay? And then she proceeds to put her car in reverse and to back up down to the place that she had missed her turn. In the meantime, I'm going, Mom, Mom, Mom. And I can share this story because she's not here. Um, and I keep going, Mom, until finally the car stops because it hit the car behind us that she didn't see, which, of course, I saw the whole time out of the side view mirror, right? So that, that she didn't realize that there was this car behind her, and I did, and I wasn't really making enough of a fuss about it to get her to pay attention to what I was saying. That's sort of where we're going this morning. Um, is, you know, I would have saved my parents thousands of dollars, or really the insurance company thousands of dollars in damage um, paid out if I would have just 
raised my level of tone to match the urgency of the situation. Um, Let's start this morning. We're going to look over at Matthew 25, verses 1 to 13. And you don't have to stand because I'm reading out of different translations, so it'd be just kind of weird. Um, Matthew 25, 1 to 13. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Sir, sir, they they said, open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Okay, this is a, a parable of Jesus, and he is speaking these words, so um, we know that they're pretty important just for that. In your Bible, they're probably all in red. Um, we're going to look at a few ideas this morning, and I just pray that we would allow the Spirit to sort of infiltrate our lives, um, that we would allow these messages to sink in and really get at um, and what God has to say to us. Um, there's a great quote that I love that was originally written by a guy that he was talking about newspapers. I mean, he said that the role of the newspaper was to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. Um, and so that's sort of what I've been praying this week, that, that just this morning, that we would be comforted or afflicted, um, depending on where we stand. And I know that's kind of weird, and I've been praying that all week, that we would just be, um, that for those of us who are comfortable, that the Spirit would afflict us. Um, and those who are afflicted, that we would become comfortable by the words of Christ. So we're going to look at this, and and there's going to be three reasons, I think, uh, that we can sort of draw from this passage as to why that the gospel message is such an urgent message. Um, The three things I'm just going to tell you up front, uh, it's it's because our faith, our saving faith in Jesus is personal, because the time is uncertain, and also because the consequences are real. Okay, so let's look at these one at a time. The first, the first reason that the gospel is urgent is because our faith in Jesus Christ is personal. In the passage, we have the ten virgins. Uh, these are the bridesmaids. Um, they're all waiting on the bridegroom. Uh, these people in this parable represent people who are waiting on the return of Jesus. They've been waiting so long... Uh, and they've been waiting for this bridegroom so long that everybody has fallen asleep. Um, now, some of them already ha- they have this oil with them, but other ones aren't. And they've been waiting for the return of this person. They know he's coming. It's an imminent return. Um, but then when they hear the words that he's coming, it's, it's too late. Um, and, and so what the five foolish virgins try to do is they try to get the oil from the five wise ones who had it with them. Um, and this parable isn't, like, this isn't a parable like, to teach us how to share you know, this isn't like a preschool parable, like, oh, let's share with each other. Look at these foolish people. You know, we should have had mercy on them. Really what it's telling us is that our saving faith in Jesus Christ is something that we have to have ourselves. 
that this is a personal faith um, that, that no matter, um, it doesn't matter how much faith you have or fa- how much faith I have, that that faith cannot save someone else. Um, a lot of people feel like, um, I feel like a lot of people are, are sort of waiting on this justification because of the faith of like a grandparent. You know, the faith of a parent or the faith of a brother or sister. You know, maybe a, a Sunday school teacher or someone that they knew that had so much faith. Um, but that faith is only good enough to save themselves. That faith can't save someone else. And, and Jesus says that this will be a surprise for many um, who are relying on the faith of others. That we see that these, these, ten, these five virgins are completely shocked um, when the others won't share with them because they don't realize that that oil was just for them. Okay? Um, Jude 1, 17 to 23 says this. He says, But dear friends, remember what the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ foretold. They said to you, In the last times there will be scoffers who will follow their own ungodly desires. These are the men who divide you, who follow mere natural instincts and do not have the Spirit. But you, dear friends, build yourselves up in your most holy faith and pray in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. Now Jude Jude tells us to build ourselves up in our faith and also to keep ourselves in God's love. And there's a real urgency to make sure that we have faith for ourselves. It's sort of, it's sort of like if you've ever been in an airplane um, and they show like the safety thing with the air master coming down and you're supposed to attach yours to your face first before you help the child next to you. Because in the event of an accident, if you get knocked out or you don't have any oxygen, you're not going to be able to help anybody. Um, if you don't have a personal saving relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not going to be leading anyone else into a, into a saving relationship with Christ. Um, and so there's this, there's this idea there that we have to sort of right ourselves before we can speak the truth of the gospel into the lives of other people. Um, I love that he says, Be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire. Save them to others show mercy. Mixed with fear. Hating even the clothing stained by corrupted flesh. So after we secure our own faith, after we sort of attach that oxygen mask to our own you know, mouths, um, then we're supposed to go and to help others. And, and Jude says to snatch them out of the fire. But, but there's a couple of things that we have to know here. And the first thing is that he says to show mercy to others. Um, 1 Peter 3.15 tells us that when we share our faith, that we need to show gentleness and respect when we share the gospel. And we do a really great job of that, right? Um, it always, it really is grating to me when I just hear someone that, um, you know, will kind of shout down someone else because they feel like God is telling them to share their faith with somebody. You know, or they kind of humiliate someone else in the name of getting them to understand who Jesus is. And they're thinking, what? You know, does it make sense that I'm going to shout um, or share my message of Jesus through uh, trying to make you be afraid or make you fear? Um, but he says that we must show mercy, but not just mercy, but mercy that's mixed with fear. Um, and the reason for that is because of the sin that often so easily entangles us. 
Um, I was kind of thinking of it this way, that this would be like if, if I'm a recovering alcoholic, um, and I, I have a lot of unbelieving friends, and so if I'm a recovering alcoholic, I should not go into the bar to save my friends, you know, on like dollar draft night or something like that. Because what's going to happen is that more likely than not, I'm going to be sucked back into my sin than be leading a parade of converts out the doors. You know, that, that there's this idea that sin traps us so easily that as we share our faith, that we really need to be careful of how we approach people. And to be careful, there's a lot of people that do a lot of crazy things in the name of, well, I need to go there because Jesus went there. Well, dude, that was Jesus, you know, first of all, um, that was able to go there. Secondly, we need to be aware of our own, our own struggles and temptations. Um, that, that when we go to share our faith, um, that we would do it just sort of with this fear that, that we know that there's always a temptation that we'll be sucked into whatever um, that we're trying to save our friends from. Um, another reason that the gospel is so urgent is because at the time is uncertain. In the parable, Jesus talks about believers being ready to meet him at his return. He's talking about the second coming of, of Christ. He concludes the passage by saying, Keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So he's telling us that he's coming again, and that we must be prepared because we don't know when Christ is going to return. Um, I'm not qualified enough to tell you uh, if there's going to be like a pre-trib or post-trib rapture, um, or even if there's a rapture at all. That's a little bit above my pay grade, um, in the words of our president. Uh, But what we have to know is that the return of Jesus is imminent, And for many of us, especially us in Western Christianity, um, we're not really comfortable with the idea of Jesus Christ's return. Because we have it pretty good right now. We don't face a lot of persecution. Um, Our lives, I mean, God has blessed us beyond belief. Um, I see the bumper stickers, God bless America. He has done that. Um, He has blessed us. So we're pretty okay with how things are working out for us right now. But for so many other people that are facing persecution, that are facing persecution, just trials and tribulation and, and death for the sake of the gospel, these people are looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ like at any moment. Um, and we see it all throughout Scripture. 1 Corinthians seven twenty nine to 31 says, What I mean, brothers, is that the time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they have none. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who were happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if, they were, if, as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. The world is not going to last forever. You know, Paul wrote these words almost 2,000 years ago to a people telling them that they need to live their lives for God because the time was short, because that the return of Jesus was imminent, that it could happen at any moment. He says to for those of you who are married, to live as if you were not. He, he said that nothing should hold us back from living our lives for God because we don't know at what moment Jesus will return. And, and he wasn't confused. I mean, obviously we're looking here 2,000 years later thinking, okay, this guy must have been really crazy. You know, 2,000 years is not what we would call soon or imminent. Um, But again, there's this idea that the time is short and Jesus is returning. He tells us we don't know the day or the hour. We don't know anything other than that he's coming. The last chapter of the book of Revelation, Jesus says, yes, I am coming soon. 
And then John writes, Amen, come, Lord Jesus. Uh, There's a story uh, that a pastor tells about um, being out to a play with his grandmother. And he, you know, it's like this high school drama or something. It's not really all that great, but um, they, they went to this play and they go out at intermission, you know, they have uh, refreshments or whatever. And, and so he's asking her, you know, Grandma, what do you think of the play so far? She said, you know, wh- what I'm really worried about is, is I really wish I was just at home praying. Because if Jesus comes back right now, I don't want to be sitting in this play. You know, not, not, not to say that the play was terrible, but um, and maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. But this idea that, that whatever we do, that there's this very real sense that Christ could return at any moment. Um, and do we live our lives like that? Another disciple, Peter, says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits. He says that we're aliens and strangers, that we're supposed to have such a tentative relationship with the world that really it's obvious to everyone else that we don't belong here. You know, that we're from somewhere else, that we look different and act different and talk different. Um, again, it's this idea that life is a vapor, that we're just passing through, that the time is too short to worry about what everybody worries about. Um, instead, our, our concern is supposed to be for our family and friends, our neighbors, our coworkers who don't know Christ. And if all of our family, friends, and neighbors don't, know Christ, then we should get new family, friends, and neighbors that don't know Christ. You know, the, this, this idea that our, that our message is so urgent that it must always be on our lips, that we must always worry that, you know, if Christ returns, we might look back and say, oh, I should have taken advantage of that opportunity. One of the real wake-up calls in my life happened when I was in high school. Um, senior year of high school, uh, a lot of times people are going out, they're visiting colleges, um, you know, just to kind of see what's around. Sometimes you know where your college is. You just go to miss days of school just so you can say you're at a college visit. Um, but a couple friends of mine were on their way back from a college visit with his parents um, when the car that my friend's dad was driving uh, went off the road, flipped, like, in the air, and landed upside down on the road beneath the highway. Okay. Um, my two friends were killed instantly in the backseat of the car. Um, while the the father had a lot of serious medical issues for a long time. Um, This was such a big wake-up call in my life because earlier that week I'd had a chance uh, to go, and and this was somebody that I had known for such a long time. Um, This was someone that I knew, like, for years and years and years. Um, And and the week before that, I was somewhere, and and I heard that he was going to show up, and I kind of felt like I was supposed to say something to him. Have you ever had this happen? Where you feel like God just wants you to say something to them, but you know that the conversation has the potential to be like very awkward um, or strange. And in order to avoid that awkward conversation, I just left before he got there. You know, and then later in the week, he's killed in an accident, and I'm, I'm left wondering, where did he stand in his faith? And, you know, who am I, you know, that I would say no to God? Um, that I would not take advantage of this opportunity that God has clearly given to me. And there's something that's haunted me for years is this thought that am I taking advantage of the opportunities that God has given me? Because, one, the time is short. Christ might return. Number two, as many of us know, that life is so uncertain. You know, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. 
uh, something could happen. You might be gone. I might be gone. Um, but the, the Bible tells us, um, especially in Ephesians, what we read in the, in the unison reading, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That God wants us to take advantage of the opportunities that we have to share our faith because time is uncertain because we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Christ might even return for all we know. Um, and that we'll, we'll be on the outside looking in or, or maybe our friends will be on the outside looking in because we didn't have the, the urgency, that we didn't have the desire to speak up and maybe put ourselves in that awkward situation or have that awkward conversation. You know, I might be gone or you might be gone and the message that we have to share, it's so worth the possible shame, um, the embarrassment, the awkwardness, um, this message that Christ died so that we could live forever. That if we don't believe in him now, um, you know, it's very real that we might not have a chance to say yes to him later. Um, which leads me to the last point of the passage, which is that the consequences of believing in God are real. If we don't share our personal faith, or if we don't take our faith personally, um, if we don't take advantage of the time that God has given us, there may literally be hell to pay. In the parable, when the five virgins return, they knock on the door, it's too late for them to come to the wedding banquet. The wedding banquet is heaven. It's eternal life with God. And we see here that when there comes a point we don't make our faith our own, we keep putting it off, that God doesn't keep giving us opportunities. That at some point it will be too late to receive Christ. And we know that hell is a real thing, that, that Christ believed in hell. Um, later in the chapter he says that unbelievers will go away to eternal punishment. Um, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And these are the words of Jesus. And I know hell isn't really popular anymore. Um, you know, we don't, we, we don't like to think about it, especially as it pertains to our unbelieving friends and family. Um, but hell is real. Uh, and, and, and the reason we don't like hell is because we get this thought that not everybody will be saved. But the Bible says that not everybody will be saved. Remember that Jesus tells us to snatch others from the fire. That means that other people are in the fire. The consequences are real. The message is urgent. What happens when a tornado is coming to your neighborhood? You know, they ring a horn so loud that it'll wake you from the dead most of the time. Um, that, that it goes off because you know that the consequences are dire. When we're sharing the good news of Jesus with somebody, we're supposed to speak so that they hear us. You know, we're supposed to engage them so where they can hear and understand what we say. I'm not talking about getting a bullhorn and, and going around talking to your friends. I think that's a terrible idea, actually. That, that if you go and you shout out the message of Jesus, everybody is going to tune you out. Um, Randy was telling me that, uh, that one of his seminary professors was, was saying that the worst thing that these, these aspiring preachers could do to the gospel was to make it boring. That the worst thing that they could do was make the gospel so that nobody would listen, nobody would pay attention. You know, like when I was in college, I used to read my textbooks in bed. Um, and more often than not, I would fall asleep trying to read my textbooks because they're so boring. Like, there's, I mean, it may be important information, but the way that they present it is not um, at all something that makes me want to stay up, especially when I'm already asleep and perpetually tired. 
But the gospel is the life-saving information. It's kind of like this, this, this urgent information that we have um, that, that as Christians we're called to present that to people clearly in a way that they can understand it, in a way that it's not boring. Um, because the reality of rejecting God is an eternity separated from him. Um, and it's, a, and it, it's an eternity of regret. You know, my, my faith can't save my friend. Your faith can't save um, your grandson or your granddaughter or your, um, your, your brother or sister. The time that we're living in is short. Either because of the return of Jesus or because of just the uncertainty of today and tomorrow. Um, and the consequences are real. It's, it's either an eternity enjoying the richness and the glory and the awesomeness of being with God forever. Or an eternity of like darkness, fire, and separation from God. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus died that you and I might be rescued from that fire. And he has come that we might have life and have it to the full. So let's pray. Father God, we, we ask this morning that you would uh, just be speaking these words into our lives. Lord, that you would show us, uh, God, the urgent nature of the gospel. God, that, that there is a real need to share our faith. God, with our friends, with our neighbors, with the people that we have, because we're not guaranteed another day with them. Lord, because we know that the consequences of hell are real. Lord, and I pray that first we be secure in our own faith. Lord God, I pray that you would convict us or comfort us. Lord, as the Spirit sees fit. Father, I pray that, that these truths uh, would just be clear in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our hymn is 443, I Need Thee Every Hour. Let's stand as we sing 443.